Hey guys, I'm being sponsored by Anchor. And if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it could be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Guys, I use it. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. everybody we're back at it again attack the attack 360 podcast all right so this is uh this podcast is going to be a little bit different uh what's going on here is that i'm doing a pre-recording before the interview that i had with one of the psychs there at my uh at my facility at the job i work at uh due to privacy i cannot disclose where we work at okay (coughs) excuse me so that being said, we did talk about PTSD. All right, and so uh, some of the audio was it's, it's it was it's good, it's good. Okay, it's just there's some sections in there where it's like okay, you can hardly hear or whatever, but um, you will be able to hear all the answers and the, the do's, the do's and what not to do. Okay, so this subject is PTSD. And just to give you a heads up, some of the questions were, uh, what causes PTSD? Uh, what are the common common symptoms of PTSD? Does PTSD cause anger? Uh, does PTSD affect memory? How do you calm a person with PTSD uh, if they're having like a, a PTSD attack? Um, is PTSD permanent? And does does it go away? If not, okay. So I just kept it simple. Uh, there's a lot more to PTSD. I mean, the questions here that I'm asking and and the conversation that we were having, we just dipped our toe into this. Okay, there's a lot more to uh, to dealing with PTSD. Um, so. That being said, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to that, uh, that interview, okay? And I hope you guys uh, enjoy it and hear it. And then after the uh, interview, I'm going to come right back and talk a little bit more about it, okay? All right, guys, this is Jerry with Attack the Attack 360 podcast. Uh, thank you for following. Thank you for sharing um if you know that someone needs uh any help or any uh uh, information you can email me at attack the attack um 360 
at gmail.com. You can also look me up on Attack the Attack uh, 360.com and uh, .net, Attack the Attack 360 podcast.com. And uh, you can also hit me up on Instagram, Attack the Attack 360 on Instagram. All right, so today's subject is about PTSD, and I am with Mr. Jorge Torres. Yes, good afternoon. I'm Mr. Torres. I'm a clinical nurse specialist in psychiatry. I'm a retired military person also. Awesome. And we're going to, today's subject, we're going to be talking about PTSD. So just to get things rolling uh, and having an understanding, what is PTSD? So PTSD is sort of, it's a, it's a syndrome that can occur when someone has exposure to either a serious threat of injury or serious threat of death, of death or um, including things like sexual assaults. Um, it can actually be something that happens to you specifically or in the case of a child watching a parent who gets abused or a relative who gets abused. So it can happen vicariously by watching, witnessing an event that's significant that affects somebody else in your family. Sometimes even hearing about an event if it's gruesome enough. And it can also happen to first responders if you get enough exposure to trauma. um, So, right. So EMS, police officers, firefighters, when they show up to facilities and they see something going on that's really bad, then... It could also affect them as well. Correct. E- even just um, EMS who goes to frequent accidents on the road right. and sees, you know, particularly gruesome events can later on later on develop. Wow. So, what are the comptum- common symptoms of PTSD? So, the symptoms from PTSD vary greatly. Okay. So, right. But there are four pillars that hold up the diagnosis. One of them is symptoms of what we call re-experiencing. That's things like nightmares things like can't stop thinking about a particular event or having images of a particular event or the classic that everyone calls flashbacks. Right. So that's that's one of the symptoms. The other sim- a group of symptoms fall under what we call avoidance. So avoidance is I don't want to remember or re-experience anything about what happened to me before or anything that similar or close enough that triggers those same responses and emotions right. in me. So that means like I don't like to go out in public. I'd really rather be by myself. If my wife says, hey, honey, let's go to the Christmas party this year. No, I, I think I'm going to stay here. Right, or, right. For example, something as simple as going to the grocery store. You know, right. my spouse has to do all the grocery shopping for now. So those are symptoms of avoidance. And then there are symptoms of what we call negative alterations, which is like become a negative person, tend to have a negative or down or anxious mood, or um, problems with focusing, problems with sleep, oh, okay. problems with um, you know interacting with other people, um, road rage. So, so that's a group of symptoms. There are many more. I'm just giving you right, a right. Brief. So I mean, even anger, right? So like they can get easily angered, triggered as well, or correct. So yeah. We, we call that emotional or we call that emotional lability okay which is when the, the classic symptom is the guy will come and complain or the person right. will come and complain man my temper I don't know what's wrong with it not only am I irritable but it happens from like 0 to 60 gotcha in the blink of an eye in the blink of an eye there's no build up to it it just kind of catches me off guard right right so 
what can cause PTSD? We already went over that, like accidents, physical uh, abuse, sexual abuse, exposure to traumatic events. All this, uh, what else could, like, is there any way for, okay, like for me, uh, maybe I have it, maybe I don't, I don't know, right? But if I know of someone that does have PTSD, how can I talk to them to try and maybe calm them down if they're having maybe a little flashback or an episode or maybe they woke up from a nightmare? How would I be able to deal with that person or help that person uh, while they're having an episode? The, the number one thing that you can actually do is tell them to get help. To get help. Talk with a professional who can guide them through the healing process. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's really what I would recommend. We as friends do not really provide therapy. We usually tend to kind of help people by giving them what they want to hear or our own opinions, and those may not necessarily fit. So I would say number one is encourage people to go seek help. To go seek help. So counseling, um, uh, is there like a at least a because I know like with domestic violence and even child abuse if someone's witnessing it and they want to help out there's a hotline uh, or they'll give the victim a hotline number to reach out for help is there anything like that for PTSD too or no? There's hotlines for PTSD or even crisis hotlines if you're in the military there's um, what is the Army One Step um, I, I we may have to add that Right. Um, it's actually Army One source that you can okay. call. You can always go to any emergency room. You can always call the police to help someone. So th- there's numerous approaches for someone. To right. Help. Right. So I don't know a number off the top of my head. No, no, no. That's fine. Um, I can always look that up and add that later. Okay. But uh, so if okay, so like I saw in the news the other day where there was an, an actual retired soldier with PTSD. But he couldn't control his anger when police officers showed up and ended up to where there was a, uh, they ended up shooting him, right? Now, it's, it's kind of hard for police officers to judge, especially if that person is waving a gun, uh, talking, you know, talking very uh, rudely, uh, just being loud, having, you know, just having a, maybe an episode. So, I mean, it's, I noticed that on, they're trying to pass a law or they're trying to get the police officer's help to distinguish how to handle someone with PTSD. Do you feel like that's, like, it's really important because because of that situation? I think it's especially important somewhere like San Antonio. We have right. a huge military retired right. population. You know, quite a few of whom have um, post-traumatic stress. I've actually spoken to the police department here on how to handle some of those cases. I I think the problem for the police officer is when he walks on scene, PTSD is not something that's in the back of his mind. Correct. Unless he very specifically got a call. This is a, a spouse or a member of the family who has PTSD and he's acting out and the police comes with that piece of knowledge that helps dictate how he's going to behave upon arrival. Right. The second thing is, is at the end of the day, it's really about safety in terms of the police officer coming upon any scene. If PTSD or not, no one can wave a gun around or fire a gun around without, 
evoking some kind of response, right, from authorities right. or from the police officers. That being said, if you come in with this knowledge, someone tells you it's the PT, this person has struggles with post-traumatic stress, then I think one of the key things that you can do is more to exercise a little bit more patience and monitor how you interact with that person so you're not adding gasoline to the fire. Right. And that basically is patience and, and demonstrating calm and offering to help versus coming in and, and wanting to like take charge and take immediate control. Okay. Of course, that depends what that situation looks like right. when you walk in, right? <laughs> so that's, that's the challenge of being a police officer right. these days. You don't know. Yeah, you don't know. You just walk into that situation and then you're caught off guard. When there's a lot of threats out there. Right, definitely. Um, okay, so does PTSD affect memory? Yes, it does. It affects memory th through several mechanisms. One may be medication that you take, one may, so we're talking memory comes in, in different folds. It could be memory of the event. Often people with post-traumatic stress, because of that avoidance mm -hmm. piece they spoke about right. before, they don't want to remember, so therefore- So they try to block it out. Right. In, in a particular event. But also because of the struggles that they have, the internal dialogue that's going on in their mind, fairly often, or, and it can be negative, they have what we call a failure to attend. So if I'm not paying good attention because my mind is distracted with right. thoughts and feelings, therefore I'm not putting much into the memory bank. So it can affect it that way. The other way it can affect your memory is people who have post-traumatic stress often have struggles with getting adequate sleep. And if you have poor sleep, your brain does not get enough rest and your ability to, to function cognitively and to form memories is also compromised. So what happens if the person, because I'm one of those, I, where my, I, I can be working all day, I can be doing stuff all day, I start getting tired and sleepy, and as soon as I hit the, the, the bed, my mind just goes crazy. I'm like thinking of all kinds of things, the things from uh, the day before, the, the day of, the next day, projects have to be done. How could I have handled a situation that I was in? I start going through all of this. So how can someone who has a hard time sleeping and has PTSD do that? How can, like, what, what recommendation, like, other than uh, phys like physical fitness? Uh, I know that uh, my father, he, had, he has PTSD, and I don't know if he still does or not. But he, um, you know, he uh, uh, went the religious route. So he does a lot of Bible study and, and stuff like that. How can someone who has a hard time sleeping try to sleep? Like, what, what could they do? Are we talking specifically to post-traumatic stress? Right. Well, one of the things you can do is establish a set routine. The other thing that you can do is kind of healthy living. Drinking to help avoid memories and to make yourself sleep is not a healthy way to do it. It, it doesn't... You're not getting the right kind of sleep, let's put it that right. way. But there are many, many, there are many apps. There are phone apps that you can use to help, you know, improve certain brain waves that improve relaxation. So, so like go to sleep. Like the rain noises, beach noises. So this is what? specifically tones for brain noises, and then um, the specific tones that trigger specific brain waves, for example, some tones that trigger what's called your delta brain waves, okay. which is the brain waves that is predominantly active when you're going to sleep. So we try to trigger to bring more 
of that delta brainwave oh, wow. up to help you sleep. So there, there are apps for that. There's things like mindfulness. There's things like meditation. I, I recommend yoga, exercise. Like okay. You said. There's, there's a whole plethora of things that people could do to improve sleep. Right. Some folks take melatonin, although I, I don't I, I don't recommend just going out and buying melatonin. I would ask someone what is the best way to take melatonin. Right. The, the problem with that is you may ask five different people and get five different opinions. Correct. I do not recommend taking high doses of melatonin. What I would recommend, I don't want to get into prescribing here, but right. I, it's actually really, really low doses of melatonin early in the evening versus taking it at bedtime. Gotcha. And I often tell people to take some magnesium, which also tends to help you relax. Oh, okay. And there's a whole, there's a whole you know, plethora of things that you can do with sleep hygiene, like you know, not watching TV in bed, keep away from the video games, not sitting in bed, you know, playing with the iPhones. Right. Or don't get so preoccupied with the number of hours that you need that you actually are going to bed too early. Okay. So if you go to bed too early, you may fall asleep, or you may not. You may struggle because it's too early. You're not right. tired yet, right? Or you'll fall asleep, but then you're going to wake up really early in the middle of the night. Right. So just just an example, I, let's say I want to get you know eight hours, but I want to sleep from nine to five. Or I go to bed at nine, I fall asleep, but about twelve thirty, one o'clock in the morning, I just kind of sit up. Right. And I feel perfectly rested. But that's not good because you still have another four hours to deal with. <laughs> right. Which you're going to get tired in. And then you're going to get tired at about four in the morning and you're going to fall asleep. Five is going to come and you're not going to be ready. You're not going to be ready. Yeah, you're going to be off and on. Right. Wow. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a different question here. Now, I've, because I've noticing, I'm noticing a lot of road rage. And my father... I'm going to use my father as an example, which I'm pretty sure he'll get mad at me, but it's okay. I can deal with him. When he used to drive convoys in Iraq, and he just, you know, he said he saw a lot of things. They they took on a lot of fire. And then for when he, now that, you know, he's retired and he's here at home just chilling and doing everything that he needs to do, whenever he gets on the road, you can kind of see a little bit of that road rage you know, when someone just cuts them off or or uh, uh, just the way people are driving fast and they're just, and he's, you know, trying to avoid it. But what's a good mental exercise while driving that people could do? Yeah, I'm not the best guy behind the wheel either. I'm, kind of a <laughs> little, I'm usually a pretty calm person <laughs> behind the wheel. I'm a little bit different, maybe a little more aggressive. Um, but, you know, the, the thing that I tell myself it's my initial reaction when someone does something is one of anger. Mm-hmm. But I also, through the years, have noticed that I'm talking myself up in this anger. Right? So if someone cuts me off, I, you know, I, I say, oh, this SOB, and he could have done this, he could have done that. Why the hell is he on the road? Get right. out of the lane. <laughs> so where am I going with my anger there? Strictly up, Nowhere. right? Right, yeah. It's just getting worse and worse and worse. And that's how road rage occurs. Now, Speaking back to your father's situation, we don't know, you and I don't know, we weren't there, how that convoy experience was. We know it was right. dangerous, but how was it dangerous? So let's take an example. Someone cutting me off in San Antonio may remind me of what's called a, a vehicle-borne IED cutting into the convoy and blowing up. Right. And the last thing I want to do is have people cutting in front of me. Remember the avoidance and the memories? Right, right, and right. The triggers? That's what that's doing. So... If that's 
you know, that's case, then I can see why he's getting kind of really... A little irritated. A little, yeah, a little more like scared maybe. <laughs> right. A little more irritated and wanting to do something versus right. just letting this happen to me. Then again, if it was just that he would get boxed in in these convoys and that was not a good place to be, to be. or situation to be in, he may not like that being boxed in in traffic here in San Antonio. Right, right. So, it's... It, Sorry. No, go ahead, go it ahead. goes back a little bit specifically to what was that person's experience um, but the piece that I and my daughter taught me this actually in a little road rage incident that, um, <laughs> you know what my daughter told me was change your frequency that you know when I, when I got upset at a situation you know and I was pretty irate and right, my daughter right. says dad you, you have to change your frequency and that's what I teach people now you know change the frequency from turning yourself up and getting angry to kind of calming and turning yourself down. Right. And so I told you some of the things that make you angry, some of the things that can kind of help you settle. It's like, you know, nothing really happened. It, it wasn't a good move on his part, but right. I can't control that. It wasn't personal. He wasn't like, hey, that's George. I'm going to cut him off and right. see how he reacts to that. <laughs> it's just the way he drives. Maybe not the safest, but nonetheless, nothing happened this time. Right. And there's, there's no need to respond to it. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, because I had my last um, my last podcast that I did actually earlier this week. I was talking about real situations, mm-hmm. and one of them was where a another a gentleman had cut an older gentleman off on the road. Well, it turned into gun gunfire, right? Um, but the way I explain it too is that even when I'm driving, I do get fired up, right? A lot of people, a lot of especially the young guys. These young guys, they, they cut you off or they're they're just being really, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, unsafe on the road. But like I say on the podcast, I tell them, I say, hey, you know, you just got to say nothing happened. Everything's going to be okay. Just wave it off. Don't get angry and try and chase them down. Everything will be all right. You know, try to avoid that situation. Um, so is PTSD permanent? So, yes and no. So it's much more complicated than that. But let me give you a couple of uh, examples. If if 100 guys came with PTSD, let's say from combat, it's just most of the folks that I'm familiar with. Right. If we did absolutely nothing, about 75% of those guys within a year will not have the symptoms to qualify for the diagnosis of post-traumatic stress. So is so is, did that person improve? So is is PTSD permanent? Well, in that case, we could probably say no. However, what if we put those same folks in a similar situation to kind of where they came from? Mm-hmm. They probably would be more prone to get post traumatic stress. Okay. Right? Or if you went to a deployment and you came back, you're only back here six months, and you go on another year deployment you're more likely to get post-traumatic stress, even though it was over with uh-huh. from the second tour because you didn't really didn't get enough time to recover. Now, so that's about you know 50 to 75% of the people, I'm thinking more towards the 75% of the folks. The other folks, we can either help fix it or we can help manage it to where the person can have a normal, healthy, productive life. Okay. Which is the disqualifier of is this PTSD or not? You may have nightmares. I may have nightmares. I may have post-traumatic stress. 
but you may not. Correct. So what's the difference? We both are having nightmares, which usually is what is the impact? So I use nightmares as an example, but we're talking about all the symptoms. Right. What is the impact that these symptoms are having on the person's life? Right. If it's interfering how you're able to interact at work or with your friends or with your family or in more intimate relationships right. like with your wife and children, then that's what would make it post-traumatic stress. So how, how does that work for the family? How would they... Um, if it's affecting the household, what what could the family do other than seeking counsel and, and trying to get help? Like, what what if what if it just keeps going on there at the household? Well, the person has to get engaged in getting help, and you know the best thing to do let that person start getting help, and then engage the family in how to help that person or how to not re-engage with that person in a way that makes the situation worse. So, for example, if a person with post-traumatic stress got really upset because you left a, a napkin on the floor, you yelling at them back because you didn't have time to pick it up, probably it's not going to help the situation get better, right? Right. So part of it is learning to kind of recognize that part of this is a symptom. It's not a personal attack. So don't react to it in an emotional, personal way and to just kind of always kind of keep things as calm as possible. The other thing that I try and teach a lot of folks, which I see a lot, is don't put that label of post-traumatic stress on that person. They already have the diagnosis, but don't let that be how you identify that person. Okay. And if you have post-traumatic stress, do not let post-traumatic stress define who you, who you are. are. Because that really sets you up, I think, for failure because it, it perpetuates you keeping this thing alive and I think with enough work and the right therapist this is something that you can dramatically improve if not fix gotcha gotcha there was a question that just popped in my head that uh, I'm trying to think what what was it um, man <laughs> It just slipped from me. You were you were talking about it, you're and I like. Well, wait a minute. Um, oh, okay. If the person that has post traumatic stress or PTSD doesn't want help, what I mean, what happens then? If he keeps refusing, like, no, I'm fine. No, I'm fine. No, I don't need counsel. But they need counsel. How? I mean, like, what what do you do then, or what can happen then? Well, well, you as a person with the post-traumatic stress has to has to be engaged in the process. No one, your auntie can't fix you. Cousin Joe, who was also in Iraq or Afghanistan, can't fix you. At the end of the day, the person has to walk through the door and seek help. If you don't, remember what made it post-traumatic stress? Inability to hold your job or interact mm -hmm. with people at work. Inability to maintain social, right, and friendly relationships, and inability to have close family or intimate relationships. Those are going to suffer. Right. People can only put up for the long run with so much without really changing who they themselves are. Okay. And, and not everyone's willing to do that. Right. So at the end of the day, the person can wind up being in a somewhat lonely situation. So it can fall into depression. 
they can fall into depression suicide a lot of them often have and when you start to lose all these relationships in your life that's when suicide becomes an even bigger problem right because now you don't have any other input other than what's in your own mind right and now you also may be feeling abandoned or neglected or betrayed um which just adds to the feeling of you know forget this i'm checking out right right wow that's a lot of info and and then there's a lot more oh uh, like talk about this all week <laughs> there is a lot more yes so um that way we're we're i know it's uh we're coming close on some time here um mr george got stuff to do i gotta get back to work too as well um but hey this is this is a good podcast this was talking about uh a little bit about ptsd we just dipped our toe into it again there's a lot more into this okay um and i'm sure I, we could do a part two later on um but guys i want you guys to be safe uh if you feel like someone needs help don't try to diagnose it yourself try and seek counsel try and get them help that way and 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 you know let's see what happens right let's, let's take care of each other be uh uh, be kind and loving with each other. Um, if there's any questions, you can hit me up on attack the attack 360 uh, at gmail.com. You can email me there and I'll do whatever I can to answer the best I, I can on your questions. Um, and I'll see about trying to find a number, uh, like a hotline that can, that can also help. And, um, and then if, if anything, just, look in your area uh for uh counsel i'm sure there is if you're outside of texas uh in any other states uh i'm sure there's counsel there too go ahead sir if you're a veteran the, the va has a post-traumatic stress um a number or a website that you can go to there are also um apps for your, for your iphones uh-huh. where you can use um cognitive behavioral therapy or you can use mindfulness training. These are apps or breathing and relaxation apps okay. that you can actually use at home. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that. Thank you for that info. Um, and again, y'all guys be safe. God bless. Watch your 360. We're out. All right, guys. So after that interview, I just want to clarify, okay? Um, what causes PTSD? All right, it could be a traumatic accident, it could be uh, physical or sexual assault, uh, abuse, sexual abuse, abuse in general, exposure to traumatic events, okay? So there's a lot, okay? Soldiers go out to war, they're put in a hostile environment. They can develop PTSD from there. If a child is seeing mommy and daddy fight all the time and having uh, issues, that can also uh, develop to PTSD for that child. Um, <clears throat> if a uh, domestic violence, okay, domestic violence is also part of PTSD. It's a traumatic, you know, event. You know, the husband is beating on the wife or physically, physically hurting his wife or um, verbally abusing uh, his wife. Same thing with the, ch- with the child. If you're physically and, and verbally abusing that child, that child is also going to develop 
of post-traumatic stress uh, later on down the line. And at the same time, uh, history ends up, you know, repeating itself. So because of this traumatic event, you know, to the child, when they're watching it and they're seeing it, they may actually repeat what they see or do, okay, or what's being done. Also, for police officers and firefighters and EMS, when they show up to a scene and it's a very gruesome scene, yes, they're going to, you know, when they see it over and over and over again, it kind of sticks with a person, you know, and sometimes, you know, a certain person will develop a PTSD, you know, they'll get uh, mentally distraught by seeing those images over and over in their head, uh, even after the fact, okay? Same thing with soldiers, right? Um, so those are causes of PTSD. Now, what are the symptoms? I'm going to re, you know, go over it again. Um, you know, you'll, you know, they'll have nightmares, uh, trying to block out that image or reoccurring that image in their head, flashbacks, right? Vivid flashbacks, um, thoughts and images, right uh they it just happens um intense distress at real or symbolic reminders of that trauma okay um physical situations such as pain sweat nausea uh trembling all those could be symptoms of ptsd okay um does PTSD cause anger? Now, yes, it can, right? If they're, if they feel uh, they're not being heard, they can get hostile. If they're not getting the help, they can get hostile. They can get angry. They can go from zero to 60 uh, in a blink of an eye because they just don't want to tolerate anything. Um, same thing when it comes to uh road rage you know if you're driving and someone's cutting you off you're going to hype yourself up to where you get so angry and the person who has ptsd they're just automatically going to snap okay even if it's uh, a soldier when they deal with uh you know doing convoys they'll have flashbacks and which causes them to you know become hostile um now does it affect memory yes it does right you'll tend to uh, there's two ways of that, or there's several ways of that, actually. Um, one is to block out that memory uh, of that traumatic experience. And then it will come in little spurts here and there uh, that will cause them to, to get scared or freak out. Um, and so that's one type. Another type is where they start... Um, not really focusing or paying attention to what's around them. So, for instance, if uh, I'm talking to someone and they have they suffered from PTSD and they're not engaged in the conversation, they're not going to retain what you're saying. Okay, so that's also one way. Um, how do you calm down a person? Well, like Mr. Jorge said, uh, or Mr. Torres said that you know we being friends or family, we tell the person what they want to hear, which is not a good thing, okay? We try to talk and try and calm them down by doing that, by telling them what they want to hear, and that's not the best solution. The best solution is to get help, but 
what I am going to say is that if they are in that uh, high state of mind, and of course you can't get help at that time, sometimes if you talk, I mean, the majority of the time, if you talk to them calmly, calmly, peacefully, to bring, you know, bring their, their panic down, uh, or their fear down, um, uh, or if they're angry, to bring it down, right? So you talk to them calmly, peacefully, uh, show them that, you know, that you really do care, you know, uh, just so that way they don't hurt anybody or hurt themselves in the process. Or if they uh, just, you know, got so much emotion from that nightmare or whatever it is that they're dealing with, just just talk calmly to them. Be peaceful and, and, and try to make them at ease. That helps. And then afterwards, you know, once, the, you know, um, of course, you know, I, again, that's a situation if it was a nightmare, if they wake up in the middle of the night, you know, then you'll say, hey, okay, let's go and I'll go with you to a counselor and, and seek help. Um, so those are things uh, that you can that you can do. Okay, try to just be peaceful and calm with them. Patient. Uh, be very, very patient. Okay. Um, and does PTSD permanently, is, is it permanent or does it go away, right? So he was saying that yes and no, right? So if that person is, is constantly in a hostile environment that's constantly triggering that PTSD, that that's not going to go away. Because they're stuck in that environment. They're stuck in that hostile situation. So they're going to be constantly having reminders or constantly on the edge. Now, would it go away? Well, if they get down to where they're, they're having counseling, um, they, you know, they change their, their state of mind to where it's more calmly and, and at peace and at, at ease where they're not in that hostile situation then yes, it will go away. It will, um, you know, it, they'll be able to deal with it a lot more or much better, okay? So that's just to re-elaborate on this conversation about PTSD. Now, again, if there's any questions, okay, you guys can email me at attacktheattack.com 360 at gmail.com you can also hit me up on the actual website attack the attack 360.com or dot net and you can also look it up on attack the attack 360 podcast.com if you want to see some videos or uh, also ask questions you can do so also on on instagram um that is on Instagram, attack the attack dot three sixty. All right, guys, have a good one. Be safe. God bless. Watch your three sixty, and take care of those who have PTSD. Take care of them. Seek help for them. Get them counsel. All right. All right, guys, have a good one. I'm out.